Khaled, thanks, man, for making the time. Uh, no thank you. Thank you for having me on. I know you have a crazy, you know, crazy life. Uh, <laughs> doing a lot of fun stuff. Um, fun. No, yeah, crazy stuff, fun stuff. We'll get into all of it, but... Um, no, but you asked me before we recorded how what's the situation in India, like with COVID, like it was in the beginning, we were doing pretty okay. It was tough in the beginning. And then I think a bunch of, uh, you know, the government put some... Uh, crazy measures in it and it and it worked uh and now it's come back with like a vengeance and yeah. everything is shutting down bombay is closed delhi is closed like all those all the major cities are on proper lockdown again i have a lot of friends in the food and hospitality industry and they're kind of all struggling again so it's kind of you know back to square one yeah and i feel pretty lucky like living in copenhagen <laughs> yeah. things are opening up slowly now after a very long winter yeah man you guys but, you guys have your own variant now like yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, dude, great. That news for me now. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of... There's the South African, the English, and now the Indian one now. Oh, amazing. Great. One yeah. more reason we're in the news. Awesome. <laughs> no, but we have enough people. So for the virus, it's like probably the best place to have variant is India. Like we have enough people. <laughs> that's not to say, bro. But yeah. It is. Cool. It is unfortunate. No, that's how it is. Um, no, let's see what happens. Uh, I hope uh, the government can, yeah, can figure it out. We'll see. I mean... Yeah, I heard. I heard Modi is doing a whole campaign trail now, even with all this thing. Dude, happening. this. I mean, we're going in the deep end already. But like Modi, I think he's. If anything, he's a good opportunist, right? Like he's great yeah. at. Like he's great at figuring. In. Say again. Yeah, he's good at like jumping in any opportunity. Actually, just yeah. Yeah, just any anything for you know external internal. I'm trying to get a really um, the really interesting Indian journalist on the show. He's uh, the editor in chief uh, of a publication called The Wire. Okay. They do some really great journalism, like proper, you know, middle of the aisle, you know, as much focused on facts as possible kind of stuff, cool. which is super rare these days. Um, and they're all I think they're not owned by a big uh, firm. That's all. I think there's some money from somewhere, but it's publisher focused. Sorry, uh, the public um, kind of like donation focused, I okay. think, or subscriber focused, so to speak. Uh, and uh, I don't know him personally. That's why it's a bit hard to get in touch with uh, with this guy. But he's really got an interesting Twitter and Instagram, puts out a lot of very, very interesting content. And he's very, you know, good guy yeah. to have on. Yeah, man. That's the, these, are the, these are the heroes right now. These journalists who are trying to focus on facts and, and, and bring facts to... Um, you know, to the public, because, you know, and, and doing it and keeping it open, uh, keeping it free to the public is also a big deal, because, you know, every, any good news is behind a paywall, and all the bullshit is free, right? So, dude, you hit it on the head there. It's so true. Yeah, man. you know, so the click, clickbaity yeah. bullshit is free. And like the real news the real information yeah. is, is behind it's not, the paywall. It's not even bro. It's like it's like proper fake news. That it's not even fake articles anymore. You know, there's fake journalists. Like they they make journalists with credentials with everything. He went to this 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 and or she went to this this school, and he publishes in several um, publications. And it turns out there's no such journalist at all. This this person does not exist. Where have you seen that? Like that, big publications that, or yeah really good publications i mean it has been happening uh i can send you the link but it's been there's there's an article about it in the uh in the intercept and i think mm. in, in in another publication called middle east eye so it's um, um it's very interesting how, like how uh 
you know, the whole fake news is 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 is, is used. You know, it's, it's misinformation, it's disinformation to begin with. It's just, it's insane. Like they really went the extra mile to make sure that we don't have the right information. Yeah, preparing for this a little bit because uh, I don't want to prepare too much. Talk to you because we're friends anyway, and, and you know the conversation will flow. But I just was like, let me look up what the hell Khaled actually does a little bit. <laughs> you know, I, I know he's awesome at <laughs> capturing the essence of the world. Where you know, with a few uh, pens or whatever digital version you use yeah. for your cartoons. But um, and while sort of doing a little bit of uh, snooping around the internet, I sort of came across this thing called Billing Cat. Have you heard of them? Yeah. It's 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 funny because I'd never heard of them, and these are the guys who kind of uh, I just saw like a you know vice piece on the founder, and they were they were part of trying to get you know the verifying stuff that Russia puts out and other countries put out, and it's it's really interesting kind of you know this, and they're a big example, but there's a lot of, I feel, not citizen journalism, but something of that, to that effect, where people are like getting tired of this. Yeah. I mean, there, trying there, something. there's no way there's no other way. I mean, with the Internet, with with such open, uh, you know, flow of information, anyone can write anything anywhere and people can just people and governments actually can make websites and can make fake journalists, as I said, and can make uh, fake news and this and this fake news get gets picked up. I mean, there's several incidents that satire pieces got picked up for real news, you know. So it's it's there's no other way like journalists have to find and there is, has to be a new way. You know, local news is dying. Right. And that's a huge thing as well because nobody's buying anymore. So, you know, there's there's several there are several ways of uh, that people are looking at how to renew journalism and, uh, you know, subscription modes and all of that stuff. And but it's it's also. Um, like how how are how are they gonna pay? You know how are how are people gonna pay? Are we who you know the people who are gonna pay are a very small um, percentage of people. I mean like places like in India or like in Sudan or like whatever. You know there's most of people. Uh, you need to reach the people, no, not people reach out for you to, for information. So, uh, and and this is, and this is the weak link. These people are the weak link. This is what what this is what governments and trolls and whatever use to to gain power. You know. Sorry, I cut you off, bro. <laughs> no, 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 no. This, that's yeah. the whole point of the show. I, I, I need to learn how to listen a bit better. So it's good. Yeah, all of us. Um, <laughs> but uh, on that note, uh, and maybe it's maybe it's related, maybe it isn't, right? I'll ask you like an open-ended question. How did you end up here? Sort of where you are now, doing what you yeah. do uh, in the career sort of front, so to speak, right? Um, how did that end up happening? Because it's a unique path, I feel. And, and, and run me through now with hindsight being 2020 for you how did that happen oh man it's a it's a it's been like a decade long journey i guess i mean i've i've started drawing uh like you know i i took it with passion i would say like and i started i was like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna try to do this every day consistently and draw about something and this was around 2008 right and it was on just you know social media facebook when it first started stuff like that and what were you uh, doing before that sorry to cut you off but what were you doing leading up to it were you always an artist kind of or um i worked in the art field i mean i've you know the word artist for me is really big i mean i always drew i always liked art but i felt like you know i i everyone calls themselves an artist now and uh 
I, I, I see it as a really big word. It's a heavy word. So I didn't call myself an artist, but I always worked. I worked in the art field. So I worked in museums. Uh, mostly I worked in museums, actually. And I uh, worked as a designer. Uh, I worked in the Museum of Islamic Art in Qatar. I worked in uh, the Museum Authority. Uh, my last job was the, uh, I was the head of public art um, for, um, for Qatar Museums, which is basically like head of public art for the country, basically. So at uh, the same time I was, I was doing my own uh, cartoons around 2008, whatever, I started doing my own drawings, my own artworks and stuff, and just posting up online, you know. And um, it was really active back then, uh, and it was more organic because, you know, there was no filter bubbles, there was none of this stuff yet, you know. Uh, and, you know, all of these websites and Flickr and, and, and Facebook and um, Twitter as well and all that was, was kind of not ad-based, not, there's no algorithms and all of that. So it was, it was a lot easier to reach people and to have a discussion with people that are not like-minded and people who are like-minded as well. So anyways, like, um, I got together with a lot, a huge group uh, from different parts of the world. Um, but I was very focused on the Arab world, right? So anywhere from Morocco to India and, you know, Egypt, Sudan, what, you know, there's like 23 countries basically that speak the same language, right? So um, we were all suffering from the same thing, you know, authoritarianism, um, censorship, and so on. And when I started looking at um, cartooning, I, I wanted to work as a, as a political cartooning and newspaper, but then, you know, because I had a, I kind of developed a style that was a bit different and it wasn't kind of like the usual ha-ha cartooning and it wasn't, um, you know, um, it even looked different um, visually because it's, it was it was digital. So I got kicked out of an editor's office once, man. Like, he probably like, proper like threw my papers in my face man he's like you're never gonna make it this is crap you know you better find something else to do is that a paper uh, in Doha? yeah that was that no that was not in Doha but it was it was I got kicked out of a not kicked out but I got I got kind of you know also rejected from a newspaper in Doha as well <laughs> but it, it was it was all it was all over man because it was it was that age gap between people in power and and you know the generation that was coming up and and you know we all grew up in the internet and so on so you know 2008 2009 2010 end of 2010 the arab spring happened and just my whole world just went upside down man i mean you know i started drawing every day because this is the thing that we were all fighting for you know this is the change finally happened in one country which was tunisia then it followed by syria egypt libya you know it was just going all over even in sudan somewhere shut down somewhere like shut down more violently than others and 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 um some made it you know so with you know with that i i started doing like a cartoon a day and i got you know i got introduced to a lot of a lot more um artists everywhere my work started getting going viral people were using it i was invite i was getting invited by museums and think tanks and blah 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 all of that to ask me what I think about what's going on or, you know, what I think would happen or whatever. I, I had no idea what the fuck was going to happen, but, you know, uh, we were all in that boat together. So, yeah, it's just one thing led to another. And, um, you know, I, I um, kind of got on the bad side of 
a lot of people and governments and uh, uh, including my own of course in Sudan um, so just you know I started doing like fellowships and, and teaching uh, in universities about uh, just you know um, whether Middle East studies or or um, or art and activism and so on so I was I did a fellowship in the States I was in um, I was teaching in Colby College um, in in Maine and then over there I did a short documentary for The Guardian um, I did some work with you know uh, I worked you know with Harvard I had an exhibition in Harvard I had an exhibition in uh, you know every major university you can think of in the East Coast um, and uh, yeah, the you know there were the threats were real, man. Like things were getting out of hand, and and then um, I was um, I was asked to kind of uh, submit to this fellowship or this residency that hosts artists and writers at risk, right? And it's called ICORN, International Cities of Refuge Network, and um, I have I've never heard of it before. But the situation was getting really bad, and I was I was I was just trying to get you know my family safe, and I was trying to get myself to be safe, and just work, you know, continue the fight, right? Because sadly, you know, I'm the one who's outside. A lot of people, because they're inside, because they're in the region, they can't talk, they can't write, they can't do a lot of things, and I'm outside, and I have a chance to do that. So it was kind of you know, I was kind of an ambassador for a lot of people who are trying to get the word out about what was going on or just you know say a different narrative really um, so i got accepted to 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 the program and the program works that is uh how the program works is that a city will select you and will host you uh for a couple of years and i was selected by copenhagen and that was a, you know I, I loved it i was like oh man you know copenhagen city of design it's beautiful and uh you know, so packed up and uh, came here. And that was in which year? 20? 2018? 2018. Nice. So, yeah. and I, I mean, is there like a, I, I don't so. know, weird question, but is there like a time limit on how long? Yeah, yeah there is a time limit. There is a time per limit. Per city and then do they shuffle you around the city? They don't shuffle you around. So basically what happens is that you get invited by the city, you stay there for two years and you either like apply for an asylum or find it somewhere else to go right in, okay. in in the city in the the program is norwegian so in norway and in sweden uh you get a permanent residency like directly but here because of course the very open <laughs> danish uh immigration <laughs> policies it's uh, it's super it's super hard uh to transfer yeah. that visa but it's it's you know um i think it's been a good run you don't have to talk about it and i can always take it out uh, of the no, recording no, no. if it doesn't make sense but what is the situation with that now are you are you around for a bit or what's like what does it look like you don't no, know i actually have to i have to leave in two months three months Fuck. yeah okay <laughs> and what's the plan the plan is just waiting man i'm i mean applying here and there and trying to figure out what to do and how to do it and and you know i move with the tribe man you know so uh, mm. i have kids right so it's a it's a Shit. big move to go anywhere yeah. so I, I i have to just it's it's really um you know it's very it's very hard because you have to wait out a lot of stuff and you have to wait out okay you know um 
my freedom of expression or the welfare of my children, right? Yeah. So, but you also have to think about safety and you kind of like go back and you're like, well, was this all necessary? Did I, did I actually do anything, you know? And it's, it's uh, and this is kind of what happened to me actually when I first came to Copenhagen is that you get survivor's guilt like the minute you land, right? It was, and you don't, you don't know what's happening because um, what, what's, what am I doing, right? That's, that's the whole thing. What am I, did I achieve anything by being here? Um, and then because you, then you, with, with all of these, with all of these thoughts, you kind of slow down, your work slows down as well. And I'm, I'm a person that's super active. I'm working on 300 different things at, at the same time, all the time. We're going to get it. We're going to get into a couple of those things in a second. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. a list. So, you know, I, I'm always writing or I'm drawing or I'm, you know, establishing something or whatever. Right. And all of a sudden I get really slow and, um, and I was like, oh man, is this how privilege feel like that, that I don't need to do anything? You know, is this, is this how it is? And you don't know, like, you know, you have no idea what's going on because you're just, you know, parachuted into this new space. And, 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 um, and, uh, it's really weird, man, because it's, you know, it's a really good program. It saved a lot of lives. Uh, and, uh, it's very needed. It's, 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 uh, it's extremely needed in the world right now. Right. Um, but at the same time, like, it's just, it's really weird because you feel like you're a poster boy for, you know, for like white people saving us, you know, like, it's just like, you know, every time like I'm, I'm interviewed or I'm, you know, someone meets me or something, they're like, they're always like, you know, they always look at themselves like, yeah, you know, we saved another one kind of thing, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of weird, man. It's really, it's a weird place to be. It's a weird place um, to, um, to try to be active from and, 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 and um, to try to think yourself not as, you know, a victim, uh, but as an ambassador, as I said, you know, that's that's mm -hmm. kind of like what happened after a whole year of struggling with this. So, you know, upside, you know, ups and downs of, you know, what am I doing and is this right or, you know, um, um, you know, do, do I deserve this even, you know, a lot of things. Right. So but it's it's a. Uh, in, 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 in that in that residency in Copenhagen, in, in Denmark there's a, there was three cities. Now I think there's also there's only Copenhagen as far as I know. Uh, but there's like 200 of us in this in this um, in this uh, fellowship. So there's people from everywhere in the world, man, everywhere in the world and, and it's amazing when we all meet, you know and uh, writers, artists, musicians, it's incredible, man, it's incredible. And the nice thing about this, this, uh, uh, this organization is that, you know, you have all these emails with them all the time and they're like, they're checking your history and they're telling you, don't worry, you'll be okay. And, you know, I thought it's going to be like a kind of, you know, this black building, all glass and everyone there wears suits and, you know, it's kind of like a men in black kind of situation and stuff, right? And, uh, and when I went there, it was like, three middle-aged women and, and like this older guy, like, <laughs> you know, running this whole thing from a library in Stavanger. I was like, what the fuck, bro? How, you know, but it's, 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 it's such a brave thing to do. And it's such a brave thing, um, to, to, to continue doing right when on, on like super low funds, you know, I think um, that's also, it's an interesting point you make, right? Like 
uh, I don't know of the organization, uh, you know, but clearly the work is it seems very very important and it's saving yeah. it's actually saving people's lives which not many people can say yeah uh but i think on top of that as well right like that's almost like kind of like the promise of the west right that was kind of it like you're gonna everything's gonna be taken care of or not the west let's say maybe scandinavia or the nordics so you know where right. 40 50 60 years ago the social state was set up or in a way where you don't have to worry about you know going poor or going broke or you know, yeah. worst case scenario, there'll be a place for you to sleep. No, don't worry about that. And you yeah. have some food to eat, at least one or two meals a day. And you might even yeah. get some money from the state. Yeah. All that fun stuff was that you would not have to worry about it. And you would do things like this for the rest yeah. of the world. And you would, you know, you would launch companies, you would launch ideas, you would build the future you want to see. Yeah. And very few people do that. Right. And 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 there is hap it, of course, it's happening more and more. And it's great. Uh, but at least I've lived in Europe now since also 2007, uh, you know, a bunch of different countries in Europe um, before I moved here to Copenhagen. Um, and there's this tendency, right, like of, I think, uh, you know, uh, privilege is the word you used earlier. I think for me, I have a very personal story, right? Like before I moved to Europe, I didn't know the word stress. I didn't know what it meant. Mm. Like I had no idea. I was like, you just, it's life. <laughs> like yeah. it's hard or it's or it's not hard <laughs> you're just doing your shit exactly you just keep one foot in front of the other it's like how stress yeah. what, what the fuck is stress dude <laughs> yeah nobody has time for stress it's like uh and in india that's, we're not really that's our, that's our life that's our life in the global south as a whole you're just like do your shit bro yeah. like yeah. and no, no one's no one's gonna help you right and of course if if you're lucky and you're born in the right family with the right parents you know, yeah, maybe you have a slight, uh, you know, upper hand in some ways, right? Like more money, maybe, or more, yeah. more in the right city or whatever, or or the right region. But you know, there's no this kind of like blind trust of everything, right? It's no. like the opposite. It's like you cannot trust yeah. government. You cannot trust the people in uniform, right? And it's the here opposite. Here is the absolute here. opposite, here, man. It's absolute crazy. Opposite. It's insane. Yeah. I, like I never seen people who trust in their government. As, as in here i mean like they you know they they criticize it but they trust it you know and for me that's just like wow you know and it goes both ways right at the end of the day like th there are these checks and balances in place most of the time where yeah. the government cannot be all powerful so to speak they can yeah. take steps to benefit a small group uh they're probably doing a lot of sort of you know steps to benefit a slightly larger small group yeah, yeah. um you know or whatever economic uh, sanctions and all that fun stuff um taxes and everything right for the for bigger companies and all those things right. but but for the majority of the public it's not like this in your face fuck you right yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that okay. the rest of the sort of governments of the world seem to or many other governments of the world seem to have um we got a little late starting out today because you sort of sent me an email saying <laughs> that something crazy happened yeah uh, Oh, Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Uh, no, if, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a. Uh, I, I was. Uh, I got a, a. A friend emailed me, journalist, and said uh, Idris Dibi, the president of Chad, has just been assassinated after battles in north of Chad. Chad is neighboring to Sudan. Yeah, is one of the what like. It's got a bunch of neighbors, right? Like I mean, Cameroon, Nigeria, like there's a bunch. Yeah, like, it's uh, kind yeah. of in the middle. Exactly. So it's in it's in the middle. Exactly. So, but you know, Sudan is used to be neighbored by twelve countries, right? So oh. we have a lot of you know influences on the, our politics from from these 
countries, you know, from Egypt to Libya to Chad to Central, you know, African Republic to uh, Uganda and Kenya and, you know, uh, Ethiopia, uh, Djibouti and uh, what's it called? Saudi, you know. So oh, big boy. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, a lot of a lot of influences. So so um, yeah, his death is will play out a little bit because it's also related to what's happening in Libya, which is uh, some of his uh, some of the tribe, the people from the tribe that assassinated him, fight for uh, Haftar, who's the person that uh, you know France and the Emirates and. Uh, Israel are backing in in Libya, so it's like it's a whole game part of the it's like crazy. game. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like every time now you have to just cross out people. You know, like oh, this guy died. This guy, this guy's with this guy. This guy happened. All right. So what does this mean? This guy is. So it's just it's like a, a, a you know you have to break down the alliances every time. So it's just we had we just had a phone a quick phone call saying okay, so who's who's who whose side is anybody in, you know. And and maybe maybe this um, is an interesting time to talk about how would you react to this as a cartoonist like now in this moment because I remember I think I heard you was it that you talked at the Bali in Amsterdam last year yeah. right? uh, one of my favorite spots in the city yeah. um, and you sort of uh, part of your talk was kind of reacting to stuff right like you said yeah. uh, you, your cartoons uh, some of your iconic work has always just been like your take or reaction on it right yeah how does that work like is it just how do you what is your process is maybe I, mean, I don't want to make it sound know, too weighty but you know cartooning is a is a very negative art to begin with you know it's very negative it's very like uh proactive like it's just uh you know it's you just need to you're always reacting to things right you're always like this happened then you know uh, um i have to do something about it right so it's it's uh and it's never a good thing obviously Right. I mean, if it's a good thing, it doesn't really make the news. So it's always about something that happened. Um, so when something like this happens, I just need to research. Uh, so I call a few friends. I read as much as I can, um, because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't get paid by anyone. I don't work for anyone. Right. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, I don't even want to call myself a freelancer. I'm an independent, you know, political cartoonist or artist or whatever. So uh, I do this. And then I put it on, on, on social media. And then if anyone wants to use it, then they they either buy it for me or buy the rights for it or whatever, right? So this is kind of like the new, the, the new style of journalism that I was telling you about, is that trying to be independent, uh, but also trying to make a living out of this, which is super hard. Uh, but it's, it, for me, it was mainly because, you know, because if you worked somewhere, that means people will know your political direction immediately, right? You're, you know, so if I work for CNN, some people will know who I, you know, what, what I will say about this. You know, if I work for this guys, people will know who I, you know, what I'm going to say. So, so I tried to keep independent uh, just because of that fact. Um, and because I have, you know, a, a following online and stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to deliver, uh, which is not always a good thing, by the way, because it's, 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 People always look at um, um, people who are, who have a following online is that they can't make mistakes, you know, and it's it's uh, and that's wrong. Everyone anyone can make mistakes. It's 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 fine. So it's it's um, for me. I have to not be careful because of that, but I want to be careful because I want to reflect 
the 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 news first of all of what's happening and reflect the uh, the consequences of that, right? And and kind of um, break down how it's happening because one of my you know one of my biggest things or biggest things I'm trying to do is show how everything is connected, right? So how a president of Chad is connected to not only France, which is the default, uh, you know, because it's, they, they used to basically occupy Chad, but also, you know, how, how does it relate to, um, you know, Saudi or Israel or, you know, people have nothing to do with it at all, like in China or whatever, but it does. So, you know, this is kind of the, the, the relationship that I'm trying to dismantle for a lot of people that believe that these borders keep our politics and keep our attitudes inside of it, which is what most politicians want you to believe, but it's absolute bullshit. I think, and I think that's such an important point, right? You, um, these borders were made by, by just people, right? And some yeah. of these borders were made very recently right like exactly. uh and, and maybe some of them were made a long time ago but the point being you know clearly so it's all these, it's these borders were like so, sometimes they don't they're we're, we the people of the country have the country like quote unquote they don't even have a say in these borders right so most most of the region like you know the the whether it's the middle east or whether it's you know sub-saharan africa or whatever these names actually they came from colonialism and the, literally, you know, the Europeans sat down in 1918 or whatever, and with a map and said, all right, this is ours, this is yours, this is France, this is Egypt, let's go, you know? And they broke down the countries between them. And this, these, are the, these are the borders that we're fighting, you know, we're fighting about today, you know? So it's, 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 in, it's incredible. Like, I mean, you know, it's, it, sounds, it sounds as ludicrous as it really is, right? Like, it's like, okay, some random people in a rainy fucking village somewhere in Europe, sat down uh, just because they had the armies and made some lines, yeah, right, based on their quote unquote research, whatever that was. No, and it was, that's it. Research at all. Us, it was, that's it, it was, done. Exactly. Or whatever, no research. Yeah, no, it was, it was actually based on uh, what they can benefit, like breaking down the, you know, what do you call it, like the uh Tra the trade the trade routes or the sort yeah, of alliances routes, you know whatever. exactly exactly and because of you know all these region was ruled by the ottoman empire right so after the fall of the ottoman empire on the hands of the the the, the allies they're like all right let's just you know what did they have let's break <laughs> let's break it between us you know and and i think i mean india is of course has its own uh, history with colonialism very you know i mean uh, well known to a certain extent i guess commonwealth yeah. is still very active and I think it's just, it's so interesting, right? Like the things we choose to remember and the things we choose to forget for whatever reason or are, are made to forget. And I think uh, you talked about the history of Sudan in your, in your, in your, in your talk at the Bali. Um, you said that many people don't really, many Sudanese people don't really know the history of the country. And you're trying to change that. Could you talk a little bit about that? What are you working on in that? And, and, and why is that the case, do you think? Why don't the, the people of the country know its uh, history? Well, first of all, the, you know, the country was, it's made up, right? The, so it, it was, it was, there was some sort of a country, 
but it's 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 not what we see today definitely you know all of this is made in i don't know like late i don't know like 18th century and and then in 1951 right so uh when they had the independence from the from the british and from the egyptians so they said all right so this is this is sudan there you go right so um this is the first thing but there's a in in this country that we now have there's a lot of history but since it was because of you know a divide and conquer policies of the british there was only you know one tribe or once you know one one ethnic group or whatever that that has the upper hand in this place since ever since it was created so all the history that we know is from what they think should be the history right and um so what i'm trying to do with that is just basically try to highlight other parts of history from the from different places because you know this 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 we have a, we have a huge identity crisis in sudan because we're african but our culture is very arab right most of us at least and and this is what's being taught to us right and uh but there's a whole you know uh there's a whole geopolitical thing as well but in in the positive side of it it's amazing like this could be an incredible you know uh touristic destination because it has everything it has desert it has jungles it has you know it has white people black people it has you know greeks and and turks and like anything you can imagine right and and uh, hungarians it's insane right at jews muslims christians everything right so and it's a mix and it's it, it even even geographically it's basically cairo and addis ababa like put together you know this is this is how the people look like this is how the country looks like this is how you know this is how it is like it's just it's it's really weird right so it's an it's an amazing opportunity for us to move forward looking at this as a as a as um as um you know uh, as a unit you know uh that as a family that has different uh you know strains and people and blah 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 right but it's it's not one thing and this is this is what governments have all like in sudan have always been telling us that you're one thing you're arab and you're muslim done right so uh, I've, I've 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 worked with um, with the Gota Institute in Khartoum uh, and a good friend of mine called the Larissa uh, Farman that we um, put together a book and the idea of the book uh, is called Sudan Retold, right? And um, what I wanted to do with Sudan Retold is I wanted artists and creatives to retell history and the future of Sudan, right? through their work, through their medium, whatever their medium is, if they're a musician, if they're a cook, if they're uh, a you know, visual artist, a video artist, whatever, right? So write something that's, that you think represents your history or something that you're interested on. It doesn't have to be your history, something that you're interested on, something that's, that's not you know, one of the three things that have been shown on TV for the last 70 years, right? So that, that was it. And, and we did an amazing, uh, we had an amazing collection of artists and 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 uh, the book was incredible and um, 
it, it did do the job and now we're trying to do a part two of it basically because it's 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 stories and it's about um gaining back our our um our um confidence on on who we are right um uh, and the diversity and all of that so it's uh it's a uh, uh, i think it was a great project I need to get a copy of the book if you if you have one around. Absolutely I think nice. it's, on, I think it's on Amazon. Uh, I'm definitely going to buy it. I think I think what's interesting also is that I feel like you know, and it's a very personal. This whole my whole podcast is clearly a very personal thing, right? And and for me, I've just been very maybe blessed or lucky or whatever you want to call it. I went to a very international school, extremely international. So yeah. from the ages of 12 to 18 or 17 or maybe even like whatever, the last five, six years of high school, I had people from 65 nationalities all around the world in a small little town in South India in the mountains. Wow. We all were kind of this one family. We all knew each other. We all uh, copied each other's accents and made fun of each other <laughs> and, 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 you know, ate each other's foods when our moms yeah. came, you know, to visit or whatever. It was a boarding school. I was not in the boarding because I was living in the city, but I was one of the few people who was, you know... Um, What's the school called? It's called uh, it's, it's called Hebron International School. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a Christian school, uh, but they let non Christians like us in as well. Uh, okay. And it was a very it was very it was a very special place, um, and and it still is. It's it's been around since like eighteen ninety nine or eighteen ninety eight or something. A really old, okay. uh, you know, from the British times. It's gone through a bunch of iterations, and I think, as you would if you're a hundred plus year old institution. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, yeah. And I think it's, and at least for me, when I was there, when I was studying there, it was a very, I didn't realize how pivotal it was at mm. the time, mm. but kind of looking back, I just, I see, I see people. I don't see where you're from. I just see that as like an exciting part of you. Yeah. You know, it's to me, it's very much about, oh, cool. You're from South Korea. Cool. Is it Busan or is it Seoul <laughs> or, you know? Do you like, uh, you know, the spicy kimchi or whatever, right? Like, and yeah. people are like, how yeah. the hell is an Indian guy talking to random Korean people? Because yeah. I've eaten a lot of Korean food growing up because yeah. I have friends from, from all over Korea and, and their moms were always coming to visit. And, and same with friends from Africa and from, from Europe and from the U.S. and from, you know, a bunch of other countries. Amazing. So I think, I think after that, when I moved to Europe to study university and everything, that was the culture shock for me, that people were not all hanging out together. Mm. Like that we were not all kind of, you know, why weren't, at least in the, in the Dutch context, when I was in Holland, this was the case in Rotterdam, I was studying business in the business school there. It was like the Moroccans were only hanging out with the Moroccans and, right. and, and the Turks were only hanging out with the Turks. And, and there were a few weirdos like me who wanted to hang out with everybody. <laughs> and, and, you know, we were not out of our group kind of trying to sort of, you know, learn and, and enrich each other, so to speak. And... And I think ever since then, I think is always been this desire to learn about sort of other cultures, right? It just feels like we live in such a big world. We talk about these numbers, right? Whatever billion users Facebook has, how many ever billion dollars are spent, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like it's people living their life, yeah. you know, having their story and, and trying to make the best they can that's most of us yeah. i believe right and i think I, I think i think it's 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 very you know it's very similar to me i went to a catholic school when i was in sudan right okay. and and it was it was uh, also you know like a super old school also from like 18 
eighty something, and uh, everybody, you know, it was a, it was a good, it was a great school, and uh, uh, everyone was Sudanese, right? So we had Christians, da da da, but we had you know everyone in Sudanese, mostly mostly everyone in Sudanese, uh, and then I moved to Doha, and in my class there was like. Around like 16 nationalities, right? And you know how to say hi in Hindi and in Tagalog and in this and in that, and you talk to people. And I think this, you know, it's exactly what you said is that, you know, you become that weirdo that hangs out with everyone because you realize how small you are and how big the world is and, and how different the world is. And, and, it's, and, and, and this is kind of what makes you do this podcast and what made me, you know, do these cartoons is because we realize that there's a lot of people out there and, 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 it's, and it's not black and white. Right. So I think that's very important, man. I think it's a great it's a great opportunity, um, you know, that I'm very thankful for, actually, that that I got to, you know, as you said, like copy each other's accents and and, you know, I just reply back to someone in their own language. And they're like, yo, what the fuck? Like, you know, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's fun, bro. It's really fun. And, and it really opens your it really opens your 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 um, um, your perspective. Right. To, to a yeah. lot of things. Right. And, and, and you're, I, not, you're not a stranger anywhere. Totally. And, and also the, the 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 fun thing is that I, one of the reasons I also started this podcast is because I I'm, I've, I've been a fan of the Joe Rogan experience forever and a bunch of other, you know, OG podcasters yeah. for the longest time. And every time they were talking about something, it was in a very American context. Exactly. And I've, and I've never been to the U.S., I, I, I probably will go. I have a I have a nice visa I got just before, uh, just after Trump left. So yeah. I still have a few years on it. So hopefully post pandemic, my best friend lives in D.C. You know, works for an awesome organization. So I'll 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 definitely spend some time there. Uh, but it was always like, dude, you're just like you're leaving out <laughs> most of the world, and not nothing against them, right? Because that's their that's their truth. That's where they grew up. That's who they know. And I was like, in my own small way, I want to add my version of it. So exactly. if someone listens to that, they're like, oh, okay, I, I went through similar things as this guy, you know, and if I, if, if we talk about something specific about Doha or Sudan or, or, or any other country, right, oh, you've lived in many other countries as well, right, I think it needs to be represented too. It needs to be also out there. And I think that was, that's, that was one of the reasons I was like, I feel like that's missing. I feel yeah. like we need, we need some other perspectives that are just out there that who people want to find can find it, right? Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see what there's happens. A, there's a whole bunch of us, man. Third culture kids, right? That's it. TCK, yeah. baby. <laughs> Third culture kids. So awesome. it's, it, it, I, think, I think it's, you know, even here, even in Copenhagen, man, like when I, when I speak to people and people are very, you know, um, they're well-rounded, like they know where everything is, kind of like in geography, they're not like Americans, but it's, it's also, you know, it's, it's the interaction with, with other people that they, they, they don't know how to, they don't know how to do. Right. And it's it, and it's good. And it, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm sometimes I'm jealous. I'm like, wow, man, they're so content, you know, like they're in their own thing. They just love doing their own thing. This is what we do in the summer. This is what we do in a sunny day. This is what we do in a rainy day. Th this is it. You know, this has been going on for the last 200 years and we love it. This is what's happening. But they haven't seen anything else and they're scared of everything else. And it's and it's um, and this whole, of course, you know, this whole. Um, um, immigration like issues that they have you know and like this oh you have to be integrated into society and they're just obsessed about be people being integrated into society and, and i understand why is because they you know for them they worked so hard 
on 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 this, right? But they were so, you know, what's the word? They were like so um, homogeneous. That word? Homogeneous. Yes, exactly. They were so homogeneous, and 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 that they did they didn't know. Like they had like a like I had a German minority, and that was gone. And then they were like, that's it. Like <laughs> it's us now. So you know. <laughs> It's it's really funny. I, I I'm I'm on the phone with my with my my best friend a lot. Uh, you know, wh- whenever we get the chance, and he lives in um he lives in a neighborhood in D.C. which is predominantly black and Latino. Yeah. So like on the on the phone sometimes, right? Like I'll hear other languages if he's yeah. walking in the street or something, and to me it just warms my heart. It's just yeah. like ah, like that to me is really fun because. Um, and also in Copenhagen, when I'm walking in the street, there's some like someone Spanish walking by or whatever. It's just, I think it's just such a special world where we can celebrate our differences. But I also totally agree with you. My wife is Danish, and you know I'm very, I'm very happy. I love I love living here. I think the culture's you know got a lot to offer, and I try to sort of also add, add to it, right? Yeah. Sort of in the say like yeah, you know yes, all of this is great, and I agree. But we can add a few things, right? And yeah. and you you don't have to like all of it. But yeah. why not? Why not try to enrich it a bit more and and do it in a do it in a respectful way? But yeah, I think people need to be a bit more open-minded for sure. <laughs> and it's happening. It's 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 coming. You know, it takes its time. Yeah, I've lived in Holland. I, mean, I lived in Amsterdam for the uh, Holland, bunch of other cities in Holland for the longest time. They're very open, right? But to a certain extent. Yeah. Right. It's open till you have a couple of drinks with them, and then it's like, okay, take care. Yeah, yeah. Right, and 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 I think like all my Dutch friends, you can agree or disagree, who will listen to this, right? Um, like I have some great friends, uh, you know, real close friends that are that are Dutch, and I've been to very few of those friends' houses, right? Wow. And it's the and in that case, it's the opposite in Denmark, right? Like if you if you kind of break in and you're one of the crew, or or if yeah. you're kind of you know, whatever those uh, cultural uh, cues are. Uh, then you're invited to people's homes all the time. Yeah. In that case, I see some similarities with sort of the Arabic and the Indian culture. You know, in yeah. many ways, where it's like you're welcome to people's homes, and yeah. there's there's Are an innate you're level. Like you're welcome. You're welcome to people's home from like the second <laughs> minute. <you know? laughs> just, we don't need to make sure who you are and like you're a cool guy or whatever. Uh, like, yeah. Show me, oh, show God. me the, show me the passport. Show me yeah. the. None yeah. of that. You know, we're like, yeah, you know, you, are you hungry? You want to have some food? Let's go have some. Like, is this? That's how it is back home, you know. Like it's, it's not even like, for us. It's it's like, you know, in Arabic we say "ayb." Like it's a it's a it's a it's a shame, you know. Like if you don't if you don't invite people over to your house, and this is kind of you know I I like people here because at the, you know at the beginning I'm getting lost and I don't know where anything is and whatever, and I'm walking like carrying my Google Maps and shit, and um, I'll ask some, I'll ask someone where where something is. And they get super excited, like, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, and like they take me to where the place is. And I'm like, thank you, man, you know. And for me, that's a sign, like, man, that guy's a friend, that's that's cool guy, bro. And I'm like, I start talking to him, and then that's it. It's like, you wanted to come here, I brought you here. That doesn't mean we're friends, like, <laughs> you know, thank you, I'll see you later. Like, it's, it's, it's a, for me, that was like, wow, okay, like, they, it's cold, like, it's super cold. For us, there's no way, like, oh, come on, have a drink, uh, you know, this doesn't happen here, unless they're drunk. And then that's, oh. that's story. That's that's a different story. I think the, yeah. I think all of the Nordics. I think the more quiet you are, it's almost like the inverse when you're drunk. Like, yeah. Because I, I, I was. You're like Japanese. Japanese are like that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, Japan, Japan is like that as well. Yeah, and I think I think there's there's something to be said for sort of, again, I don't want to get 
you know too much in social social psychology or whatever but i think yeah. i think there's definitely something to be said for smaller countries that have you know that figured a lot of shit out like 80 yeah. years ago or something or 50 <laughs> years ago yeah. they're like okay you know we went through our crap <laughs> we figured it out uh, and now we're not going to let that shit happen again yeah <laughs> right so it's or kind of like it's kind of like this sort of you know this sort of uh, this tendency to sort of try to try to keep things as simple as possible this is what right wing um, parties where we come from are calling for right they're saying look at what all this like uh, diversity brought us like all this crap brought us right like we're we're you know we should close our doors and we should be just you know just us right because look at the countries that are just them they're doing great you know everyone else is fucked like look at the states is fucked look at this is fucked you know and they make a, they make a point out of it you know there was like a whole campaign in 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 uh in saudi online about look what immigration does you know look what giving pa what, what what giving uh people nationalities does look at ilhan omar she's she's a somali muslim and now she's in congress and now she's like fucking trump you know and trump is white like it's just it's insane like and they're pushing this narrative towards you know like towards the people saying that this is why we're not giving people passports. This is not why we're giving, not giving people who lived here for like 50 years, right? We're not, you know, we're not giving them any rights because this is what's going to happen. They're going to fight us in our own land, right? That's, that's an important point you just made because I didn't know this, but people, majority of people who work and live in sort of the Gulf or the Middle East, they don't have passports of that country. Is that, oh, is that? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, but I I'd heard that, but I wasn't sure. So no, 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 you no just way. you'll you'll live there for like thirty years, nothing. Forty years, nothing. You'll be like you you'll probably just you know second generation. Uh, now maybe even third generation. You know Indians, Pakistanis, uh, all sort of Arab. You know. I had no. a I had a really great conversation with a with the with a guy, and I knew he was clearly like you know work like a worker working in like a laborer or something because yeah. uh, we we I had to speak like kind of a different kind of hindi you okay. know and and I was I was flying to I think it was Qatar as well we, my my dad uh flies a, used to fly a lot with the, with the Qatar Airways and we were yeah. you know always taking that flight and I was flying back uh, I think it was to Amsterdam or something and it was a long layover and and the flight from Delhi to Qatar to Doha sorry was I mean it was f it felt almost like a bus ride no offense but it just was like i was like where are you what's happening is this your first <laughs> flight he's like yeah it's my first flight i was like where are you going he's like i don't know like, what do you mean you don't know he's like well i have i'm just this guy is like taking all 80 of us yeah and we're gonna go work and i was like where like we don't know i'm like for how long he's like we don't know i'm like okay and we had this we had this conversation where he sort of told me you know how this whole process happened and and now he's going to go uh, he was going to go work somewhere and you know try and send money back home and and you know that was they the kind of dream they probably huh? paid money to come and work they probably paid money to come and work in the gulf first of right? course yeah yeah so they pay money for these for these like i don't know like headhunters or whatever they pay them money these companies they say oh i want to come work and then you'll take my first salary or whatever and then from there i get like uh, my salary which is probably not even a hundred dollars right and uh they'll be there for like three four years live in a camp you know outside of the main cities 
and that's it. This is where they this is where they live. This is what they do. Nothing else. Sometimes they, you know, until recently, they actually they weren't allowed to go to many places. But then, like they they kind of change the rules. Like I'm talking about Doha, but this 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 can be in Dubai or this can be in uh, you know Saudis. It can be anywhere. So Saudi is actually a bit more open in that sort, but it's kind of the same. So uh, it's all these buildings now that they're building, and they you know they need they need the laborers. And it, yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing, man. And you know, I lived in Doha before all of this, right? You know, because all of this started in two thousand and six, right? They started building like Lego and all of that, and and the whole boom like with Al Jazeera, the oil money, the gas money, all of that. And they always had the gas money, but now they they started to invest it and. And you know the the new emir at the time wanted to really kind of um, change direction and, and and make the country more open and all of that. So there was a there was a whole new country, you know. Uh, so um, there's camps, man. Like they they literally live in camps outside, and it's just like I think I don't know like hundreds of thousands of of workers from Nepal and and Southeast Asia and stuff, and and they just you know, they, they stay in these camps, they wear these blue jumpsuits, they go to work in these buildings, right? And they come back to the camps. That's it. They have one day off, which is Friday. I actually did a project about them called uh, Doha Fashion Friday. And, uh, you know, because, you know, Doha has like a seven star. Everything is super, like, you know, beefed up and stuff. So on Friday, which, which, which there's the Corniche, uh, and, and this is where... What the is bus- the Corniche? The Corniche is like the uh, the waterfront of the city, okay. and it's a long like road with like parks and stuff like that. And 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 somewhere there, there's the Museum of Islamic Art where I used to work. And on the on on the Corniche on every Friday, and Friday is like a Sunday here, right? So it's like the day off. So uh, a lot of the workers get dropped off there by the buses to walk around, la da da. And um, they're dressed up, bro. They're like dressed up, you know. It, and, 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 you know, they look amazing, right? And uh, because most of the other days, they're just in these blue jumpsuits and, you know, they're, they're just workers. That's it. Like, you, you literally, because you feel so guilty, you don't look at them. You know, you're just walking around like this because, you know, you, wh- what are you going to do to change the situation, right? So, uh, and of course, if you talk about it, like, openly, you're out of the country like this. Um, so, um, I was walking with a friend of mine and uh, one of the workers was wearing a, I think it was like a Tupac or a Biggie t-shirt or something. And I was like, hey man, that's a nice t-shirt. Where do you think he got it from? And my friend just like laughed and looked away. Like this person wasn't even there, you know? And that really upset me. I was like, why, why aren't you looking at the dude, bro? He's like, he's super dressed up. He wants you to look at him, you know? He wants you to see him as a human being. Why aren't you looking at him, you know? And then I was like, I got this idea about, because the country is so immersed into fashion and all of that, why don't I kind of try to connect the workers' society, whatever you call it, with Doha through fashion, right? So I decided to come there and I have a friend of mine who's a photographer that joined me. Her name is Aparna. Uh, uh, Aparna is Indian. She worked in Bollywood, amazing photographer. And, uh, and of course, the advantage is that she speaks Hindi and all of that, right? So we, we go to the Corniche and we see someone that we think looks amazing. Uh, and we ask him to take a picture. Uh, and we say, hey, man, you know, 
you like fashion? And of course, they're like, yeah, I like fashion. Amazing smile on their faces. If, if they speak to you, because sometimes they're very like scared, like we don't know who you're talking to, da, da, da. And like, yeah, I like fashion. This is amazing, da, 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 da. And then we ask them, who's your, who's your fashion icon, right? Oh, it's like Shah Rukh Khan, or it's this, or it's that, right? And then I'm like, okay, so where'd you get this from? Where'd you get this from? How did you end up in Doha? And we tried to sneak in a bit of information about who they really are, how did they end up here? Um, what's the story, you know? And we found out incredible stories, man, incredible stories. You could, you could check the account. It's called Doha Fashion Fridays on, on Instagram. So we were, we were doing that as kind of like a, a, a response into humanizing um, this, you know, large group of people that is building the country, you know, and that we can't really say anything about the rules or whatever. And we're all under the same system. You know, there, there's a, it's called a kafala system, basically that, that there has to be a Qatari uh, or Khaliji that, uh, like someone from the Gulf, basically, that, that, that sponsors your stay in the country, right? I mean, normally it goes good, but it, sometimes it goes really bad because this person has control of your life. Like, you know, he can, he can not, he can easily not pay your salary. They can, you know, confiscate your, your passport, uh, restrict you from traveling, a lot of things, right? So uh, it, could, it could end up being a nightmare. But we're all under the same system, but in different, you know, we live in a different camp, basically. So yeah, that was, that was one thing that I've been trying to do. That's so cool, man. I think, uh, I mean, I'm going to link everything, uh, you know, in the show notes and people should definitely check that out. I mean, it feels like kind of uh, like a fashion blog meets humans of New York or whatever kind basically, of vibe, right? Basically, yeah. yeah I love exactly it. it yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's a guy, um, I know him a little bit. He's called The Sartorialist on Instagram. And he oh, had man, a nice guy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he had the blog. I'll, 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 I'll try and ask him if he wants to meet to, gr- to be on the show at some point. But he's kind yeah. of, you know, an OG blogger. And he did uh, like photographer, sort of street style photographer. And he did the, he has this book he did on India. And I mean, some of the photos he's got of sort of just kind of, you know, kids in cities or sort of in towns, you know, or these kind of uh, rickshaw valas or something like that. And I think to me, that's like you almost need an outsider to come and look at that in a funny way. Yeah. Because I think you you hit that point earlier, right? You as if you're living in the country, and you're you know in a place of privilege, or you have more money, or or you have a slightly yeah. better job, or whatever you want to call it. Majority of people ignore that because yeah. they can't do anything about it to sort yeah. of to sort of you know continue working and going to work and living your life and going out and you know kind of living yeah. your normal life. You can't engage with the fact that there's people below the poverty line all around you every day, right? Like modern slavery is very active in many ways. You can't can't deal with that on a daily basis and still function, so you ignore it. And so it takes someone else from the outside to come and experience and showcase that beauty. Um, And I just did, I did some, I helped a friend out who's a German photographer, went to India and took some photos. I did, I translated all the the captions from Mm. English to Hindi. uh, And, and it was just really fun. And I, it's always, it's always, I think now I've been out of India, you know, I've been away and back often enough yeah. to kind of see those sides and see those subtle differences a lot more. Um, I can't wait for COVID to pass, um, you know, whenever, whatever, how many of years it takes. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> not a year, man. Hopefully, Hopefully not. Man, I'm just I'm trying to be dramatic, you know, <laughs> Indians. <laughs> you know, we like to be dramatic. Um, I want to talk about uh, Fada. Is that how you say it? Yeah. 
um what is what is what is fada and and how and, and how did that idea come about can you explain uh what that is so you know fada for me is a, is um is um it's space it literally means space in arabic right and um the idea came from being someone that is uh you know i live online right i exist online and that online space that only space that i had you know freedom to write and to work and uh kind of express is now gone right it's totally occupied by government trolls or uh you know censorship and 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 ads and algorithms and filter bubbles and so on right so what i um what i kind of seen uh as the next move is that we need to regroup we as in artists activists uh people who use the internet in, in 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 a different way need to regroup and kind of think about how are we going to tackle this you know um how are we going to move without twitter or without facebook or how are we going to do this right and as artists how are we going to show our work um you know without instagram or without you know so it's it's like going back to basics right and you know where we come from right in the in the global south as a whole as we said you know our houses are open all the time right and it's it's just it's just normal for people for your neighbors to come and say hey man i'm using your uh you know your your backyard for the my friend's wedding my brother's wedding or you know we're going to eat with you or you know whatever right so um the idea of fada is that you as a person or as an organization can donate spaces and facilities to your community right it's a website you say this is my garage this is my camera this is my 3d printer you take a picture of it you say your do's and don'ts and you post it on the website right and you can do this once you can do this every day you can do this three times a week you can you know whatever you want really it's really up to you and then we kind of ask people like hey there is this uh you know a camera there there's a guitar there's a garage if you want to use it there's a studio space there's a podcasting studio if you want to use it and it's it, and it's non-monetary you know so it's non-profit uh and it's all about donating man it's about just carving an alternative way for for creatives to start to keep working and for people who want to give back but don't know how to give back right a, a place where you can just you know you easily do it and that's it like no strings attached you don't need to do this again if you don't want to and and that's it so it, it we launched the project i did the project with funding from open society foundation i had a great team uh you know new yorker um uh, designers uh had back end guy you know professor Pierre he's in he's in Berlin is French. I had a really good team, right? And uh and every time it comes with a new stage, right? So we just after we launched it, we also launched it here in um in uh in Copenhagen uh Tech Festival, which I actually got to you know to meet the people through club, right? And um where we met as well. And um COVID hit, right? So then it was like, oh shit, the idea of opening your place up now becomes course you know a health uh alert and all of that and it's like all right so w- w- how can we do this right we have this website this tool that's there how can what can we do and then a whole new other group of people came came through uh i have a curator now her name is hadil 
and uh, a marketing guy called Frank. And, you know, Hadil is Sudanese, British, Bahraini. Frank is French, but lives in Amsterdam. So, you know, like our kind of people, right? And they came up with this idea called when the world closed. So when the world closed is basically what's happening now is that there's a lot of hotels that are not in use. There's a lot of cafes that are not in use. So what happens now, right? So how about we give these places to artists when they are closed and these artists can come and work and use them as studios and, and, and give you some of those work, you know, after this place is open or maybe even you have an open show if you're a gallery. When, when, when you reopen again, you have a show that was done during the pandemic, right? So telling the story while this is happening. So you're part of what's happening right now. And now we're collaborating with, with this um, uh, festival in, 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 uh, in London. It's called Shabak, uh, Middle Eastern Festival. And we're trying to get artists uh, that are not, you know, um, um, that you will not really notice them um, uh, elsewhere. So we connected with spaces that are already kind of in Fada, in Morocco, in Marrakesh, in, in, in Gaza, in, in a refugee camp in Beirut, in, in, uh, in Sudan, uh, in Doha, in uh, Jordan. So we're trying to connect with people and trying to get artists to perform there that wouldn't normally get that chance to perform in a festival in London. So it's all about just having a different um, segue basically into the art world because you know for me i believe the art world shouldn't be the art world like their art should be of this world right it shouldn't have its own world but as we know because of capitalism and because of all of this crap that's happening and now you know this whole nft bullshit and all of that it's not bullshit but whatever it's 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 you know it's it really kind of has its own thing so it's it's, it's kind of about stepping back how can we do this right without the internet how can we do this you know so that's it man this is this is this is what's going on right now this is our next collaboration now we're now we're collaborating with a with a hotel in in amsterdam it's called the student hotel oh yeah i know it i, I know them well that's cool oh yeah. yeah yeah so we're trying to like link up with them trying to do something with them but of course you know um there's like two ways of looking at this like we're trying to look at organizations and institutions and uh hotels and stuff like that but we're also trying to push individuals as well to to, to donate spaces as well. And I may think Copenhagen and Amsterdam is the same and many sort of European cities have this like they all have a lot of backyards, you know, in the apartment yeah. buildings. They have yeah. these backyards that are kind of communal spaces already. Yeah. yeah. And like I can imagine people who live in those sort of apartment buildings with these kind of very nice backyards. I can imagine it would be very interesting for them as well to kind of have an art show on the weekends yeah. or something there because I think or whenever because i think you know this is it's so cool in so many different ways for me because i my background is in tech i build platforms i build software i work with people who do amazing stuff in tech uh, and you know s around different ways of technology and i think you know whatever 2008 2009 right the early days of all of these services that are now um I don't know, corrupted is a word, but there's many other words you can say, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, it was pure. It was, f it, was f it was innovative. It was, okay, you know, we internet has been around. How do we bring people together, right? right? And how do we, you know, create a social space, a public square, right, where people can meet and connect? Exactly. And then for the sake of VC 
you know, growth and, and hockey stick growth, right? Some of the smartest people in the world that work in technology got together and said, how can we hack the human system to increase growth? That's it. Like, that's all it is. Yeah. And, and they succeeded to a certain extent. And that, that, that's resulted in the world we live in in many ways today. Yep. And so many of those people, some of them my friends, right, are also launching their own products online to be more simple, to be more pure, to be private first, secure, end-to-end encrypted, also the back-end encrypted, which yeah. you know, many, like WhatsApp is not back-end encrypted. That's why people choose Signal, because it's even the back-end server is encrypted, right? That's kind of yeah. the difference, uh, a small point. Uh, I'll try and get you know some people who know more about that on the show at some point. But the point is, this is a sentiment that many people are having, right? So the next, the next set of products that are going to do great online, right? Yeah are going to feel a lot more like the real world or kind of almost like a remix of the past, right? Because you need I it. So. I really hope I so. I mean, you have to do it because I think enough of, I mean, there's a lot of people who love, I mean, as an example, right? Like there's industries that exist that many people go to all the time, you know, that are like, let's say vices, right? Like vices yeah. exist. They're worth hundreds of billions of dollars, right? But at the same time, churches exist. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And open public spaces exist. So I think it's just a matter of creating more spaces which have whatever 100 million users each doesn't have to all be billions of billions of exactly. users. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it can be it can be a group uh, of people. And I think NFTs and the crypto and all this sort of revolution on the financial sector of the Internet uh, will also push that forward. So, I mean, awesome work with Fada and everything else, man. It's really cool what you're Thank doing. You brother. And, Thank you brother. and I mean. It's also, to a certain extent, I relate to you a lot, but to a certain extent, I can't imagine the kind of pressure or, you know, like we, we started the conversation, you know, with you having to now look for a new location to move to and with your family and you have kids. And I mean, dude, fuck, you're, you're, you're carrying, <laughs> you're carrying a lot of, uh, you know, you're carrying a lot on your head, on your shoulders and also your, 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 your community, your, your family's shoulders for the sake of doing what you do, right? So, um, clearly it's important to you, right? But how much of it, how much of it, and maybe this is a, you know, how much of it was intentional? How much of it you couldn't, how much of it can you not control? Like, how did that, do you think about that ever? It's every day, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, 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 um, it's just for, for the love of doing something different and for the love of, believing that there could be something different but know? why why do it what's the point it's I, I don't know what else to do bro i mean i don't i don't know how to do anything else right so all i know about is is is, is art right so for me is there must be something i can do and and that's it i mean i just i couldn't um you know there's a, there's a lot of people that uh you know at the beginning in 2011, there's a lot of people that really, you know, sacrificed their life, man, you know, for, for the change. And, you know, I see that again now in 2019 when these young kids, man, get, got shot up in the street, bro, for like for just, you know, wanting to change a dictatorship and wanting a better future and all of that. And, you know, I draw. That's it. That's all I'm doing. So if, if I don't do that, 
while other people just give their lives. I just feel that's super selfish, you know, and especially now that I, you know, I got to where I am today and, and, and I do kind of have um, connections into uh, making people notice what's going on in, <clears throat> in, in other areas. So it's just, it's, it's, uh, and it's about also building a future for my kids, you know, like I really, I really want to, to I want them to grow up in a place where, um, where their home is a safe space for them, you know, as simple as that. I mean, if, if we don't do that now, it's, it's hard. And I see it because it's, it's always like, a, you know, my, my father was super political, my, my, you know, my grandfather, but at a certain point they give up, you know, like this is never going to change. And I've been through that, man. You know, especially when Trump was in power, I was like, man, this is this is fucked up. I'm never gonna win. You know, I'm never gonna win. We're not made to win. You know, this is this is gonna keep going. And the thing is that they can keep going. We don't we don't have the stamina to keep going, right? Because we have to we have kids to raise, we have safety to worry about. You know, these governments don't don't then they just you know keep going. So it's about choosing really how to play this game. And it's a um, but now I like I totally see myself giving up totally you know and and becoming like my father right like just you know fuck it this is never going to change i'm just going to raise my kids the best way i can and hope they continue to fight i'm done you know because you get burned out man you get really burned out it's just it's tough it's not easy at all you have to you have to maneuver like you know mental health you have to maneuver uh you know just fucking visas and and you know, people that say that they want to support change and support the cause, but we're sorry we don't give you a visa because you know you don't have enough funds in the, you know. So it's just it's it's really like you you see a lot of things, right? You really see a lot of things, but you also you see really good people. You meet really really good people that want to do amazing things. And you know, I was in Maine, bro, like the whitest fucking city. I was gonna the, say, right? And it's just and and I'm here in Copenhagen, which is also yeah, pretty white, right? So there are white people that really want to do good things, you know, they're, they're, they're and and want to help in things that they have nothing to do with at all. You know, I saw kids, man, that I was teaching in, in, in my class, super privileged. They had no business caring about anything else, right? But they were there. One of them is now running a, a refugee shelter in 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 in, uh, in Greece, you know. Incredible, incredible. I'm so proud of her, and and this is like this is this is the the kind of people that we need. The people that you know check their privilege, but they also understand that we are needed. Our privilege is needed for us to change this narrative, you know. So I'm not there, but I'm also not, you know, the the, the you know I'm not I'm not in a boat trying to cross the Mediterranean. You know what I'm saying? I could have been, but I'm not. But so I'm in the middle, and this is the kind of thing that I'm and I'm trying to, you know, play. Yeah, I think you mentioned there was one of the projects, uh, the boat in the Mediterranean, brought an image in my mind. You mentioned about this uh, video project, right? That you did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People, people sending you videos of crossing that. There's a, um, there's a now, uh, you know, world heavyweight champion uh, UFC fighter. His name is Francis yeah. Ngannou. Yeah, the Nigerian. Yeah, well, he's from Cameroon. I think, uh, Cameroon, originally. sorry. Uh, he was no. homeless. Bro. Yeah, homeless. Uh, did did that boat ride from Morocco uh, to the south of Spain, and uh, did uh, he was on the Joe Rogan podcast and talked about sort of the details of that, and 
I think it was such an awesome thing to do because this guy, right? He's he's been through this entire process, right? He 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 left a small town in Cameroon, you know, made his way all the way up through Africa and, you know, crossed that strait of water to to Spain and then made it to France, lived on the streets and now he's living in Vegas and is the heavyweight champion of the world yeah, in man. the in, in the UFC, right? So, I mean, if that is not inspiring and if that is not kind of a, a path out, right, I think it's very difficult <laughs> to say what else is. Yeah. But but I also think what, why, why also one of the reasons I wanted to have you on as well is that because I think these stories are not told often enough. No. And I think, you know, yes, you know, as you said, I think you, uh, you know, you said a bunch of your, um, bunch of your cartoons have gone viral and it's viral for a minute and then it's forgotten the next day. Right, exactly. and I think, and I think, this show is anything but viral. Right, you'll get maybe like one more follower, maybe two, if my mom <laughs> and sister both follow you after this conversation, <laughs> right? But that's not the point. The point is that I'm gonna keep doing this and having interesting people on as many days as I can, yeah, and telling interesting stories, and the hope is just that more of this is out there, you know, so that yeah. people realize that. There's different there's different things happening in the world. It's more than just, you know, going going back home, turning on the news, watching the same shit over and over again. Yeah. Right? There's much more gray to the story. I'm trying to get a, a, my first episode ever of the podcast was with the Danish journalist um Anne Sophie Alarup. Uh she's uh, on TV and had her own radio show here. She's focused on foreign affairs, and I'm going to get her on with a with a Syrian journalist to talk about uh this updated law that Denmark passed. Yeah. Um and I mean, I think for me, I'm just like a neutral party to say like what's actually happening. I'm just interested yeah. in figuring out what's but actually uh, going on here. Yeah, there's a protest on Wednesday. You can go get some sound bites and talk to people. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think, thanks for that. I think for me, right, it's just about making sure that I know what's really going on because right. I feel like I've lost touch of that now. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like, you know, there's so much I, I, I've unfollowed many people on, 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 on social media and everything is, you know, I don't trust almost anything anymore. Right. I trust the conversation I have with someone that I can see because I'm like, OK, if you're going to lie to me at my face, I'll notice it. Yeah. And then, OK. And then, you know, that's that. But most people don't lie to you at your face. Right. Yeah. And, and if they do, then, you know, usually see it. So I think. You know, uh, editing and sound bites on TV and all that stuff, may, you know, confuse things up a little bit. And I'm Absolutely. sure you know that more than more than most. So, um, but hey, I, I want to end on a slightly more different note. But um, so, like, I know you have a lot of fans around the world, right? But I'm, I can imagine you have fans who don't even know they're your fans, because you know what I mean. Because your art is taken. Yeah. And and remixed and put up on so many different things. Yeah. And what I'm trying to allude to is the whole Colin Kaepernick uh, Black yeah. Fist <laughs> mix up, right? Because so yeah. many so many famous people, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle, Chance the Rapper, I'm sure there's many, many more, right? That have have worn a t shirt with your art on it. They probably don't know it was from you. No. <laughs> Maybe they do. But No, absolutely not. How how does that f like how does that feel first of all but also how do you feel like you're not capturing all the things you could capture from your art i don't know if, if that question makes sense but 
yeah it's just man, I mean, i'm definitely not making money off of it that's which is enough money <laughs> um which my wife hates but it's it's uh i hate as well actually but it's 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 um you know um, but i mean i mean like just sorry to interrupt in there but i think there's like there's two things right like one is like your art which your 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 cartoons whatever you feel more comfortable with right you you create something and it sparks something in culture yeah and people take it and run with it and create things out of it it's a pity that you don't get some value out of that right yeah. you don't have to get all the value right but you have to get some value yeah and and i think i think companies like uh, there's a company called threadless.com which has all these t-shirts you know yeah. like i don't know why those companies don't reach out to you and, and artists like you and say hey let's just have a simple deal like we'll sell t-shirts and it's your art and yeah, we all make money like <laughs> and everyone is happy i don't know why that's a simple deal like I, I, uh, you know yeah, why is that not happening i have no idea man i mean i i tried to um i tried to do it on my own i did i i um you know with with that with that image um because it went we went viral with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you know, Sorry, tell me the backstory on that, and then we'll we'll get into yeah, the image. So basically, I, I did this image of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, I didn't even know who Colin Kaepernick was, man. I don't, you know, I don't know anything about American football. No idea. And but I was at the states at the time, and there was a, there was this whole frenzy about uh, American football player, uh, an African American that kneels down during the the, the national anthem. And it was just like, oh, could he do this? Could he not do this? Da, 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 all of this. And at the same time, I was telling you, like I did, a, I did a documentary for The Guardian and it was about human rights and civil rights and so on. So I, um, I interviewed a lot of people from the civil rights movement uh, and went to a lot of spaces, uh, you know, historically connected to the civil rights movement. And, you know, one of the first things that popped onto my mind when I was watching the news about Colin Kaepernick was the image with the black fists uh, from the uh, athletes in the 1968 Olympics in Atlanta. And I just, you know, for me, that was a, the struggle still continues. That's what I'm saying. Like these guys did it in, in the 60s and now this guy is doing it now, you know. So I made a, the, the graphic with the, with the black fist as his afro, right? And that just went like fire, man. Everybody was using it, da da da. da. And then like T-shirts made in China, all, all sort of things, right? Like it's everybody's wearing it. And like I wake up one day, like Dave Chappelle is wearing it, uh, Chance the Rapper, Spike Lee, uh, everybody, man. Actually, day before yesterday, I was I was in a panel uh, online uh, on MIT, and uh, I spoke about this. And, and the professor that's with me in the, in the panel is like, I have that T-shirt. That's yours? I'm like, I wear that all the time. And, you know, so it's, it's these happen to me all the time. People sending me pictures, bro. Like one guy sent me a picture from Mexico City, man. And he was like, hey, man, the guy sitting next to me in the bar is wearing your T-shirt, you know. And I don't know that guy. And I don't know the guy in Mexico in, in the bar. Right. So but it's that was that was such a great fit such a great feeling it's priceless man it's priceless that that i've connected so many people you know and this happened to me before like this is not the first time this happens i mean and 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 and, and i'm very happy that this it's the kaepernick image because at least it's a positive image you know mostly you know most of my work that goes viral is is, is about it you know the syrian kids or about like war or about something and every time it's like reproduced or it's reshared or something i know something wrong is happening right like it's it's never good news you know but this is the one image that really kind of puts hope 
that the that that is it's creative resistance. People are still using it and so on. So no, I didn't get make any profit off of it. I was offered. We, by like, we need to we need to talk off air to figure out a way to get you some more money <laughs> for your art. I, man, I got I got I got approached by like New Yorker like lawyers, man, wearing gold chains and like, hey man, we could get you the money, you know, and all of that stuff. But it's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know, an NFL player like you know he has it on his shoes, in his Nike shoes. I can make millions of this thing. So let's hope so. I'll get you some money. Let's Anytime, brother. We'll figure it out. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think more important. I think it's just like, you know, because I've my, my previous company was it was influence in influencer marketing, right? And yeah. I mean, this is every brand, every anybody's wet dream, right? This is what it is. It's like yeah. you. It's like everybody pure shares this because this hits hits the culture in a, such a pure right. way, um, and I think I think we're go we're at the cusp of like a technological revolution and also a cultural revolution where hopefully artists start getting paid a lot more for things that they do which have an impact in culture. And I mean, you see this happening with kind of the newsletter, like right. Substack, and you know, yeah, and, uh, and also the podcast and all. And I mean, there's a, there's a platform which uh, which I'll be using in the future called Ghost, ghost.com uh, or .org. It's a nonprofit. It's, it's, it's kind of like, um, so it's pretty much uh, putting up, it's like a blog you put up. Okay. Yeah, a very nice, very well-made blog. But you can also charge people for your content. So if someone wants to support you directly, like five bucks a month or fifty dollars a year or whatever right. uh substack takes ten percent of of whatever you make this blog doesn't you, you pay them a monthly nine dollars is the cheapest i think uh, they have they, oh, i have no connection with them i just think they're a great product um so i think uh, i think you know there's a lot of tools that are going to be the creator economy is kind of this buzzword right it, everyone yeah. is building really really interesting tools for creators Clubhouse is the most uh, crazy new tool for quote-unquote yeah. creators, right? So yeah. I think more and more things are happening. It'll where be interesting to see how Clubhouse uses like you know, yeah. creative as well. I mean, I think I think for me personally, like I, I have some friends who have like massive following on Clubhouse already, right? Like half a million followers, and their clubs have a million subscribers right. and stuff. I mean, or they yeah, their clubs, and I think to me it's just like I think from a tech from a design tech perspective i think it's beautiful it's a really well crafted app they've done a really interesting job about the constraint they put on it and like yeah. the whole you know getting up on stage and feeling the kind of butterflies when you talk yeah. on stage and getting yeah. off stage you know they've done something very interesting to tap into the human psyche and i think that's going to be powerful everyone's already copying them but i think they'll do well right they have some very smart money behind them and they're a very smart team to me at a macro level i think it's just Facebook is doing it now. Twitter. Everyone's doing it. I mean, Twitter Spaces started. Uh, you know, Facebook, of Facebook. course. Uh, I know. I mean, Facebook. But the thing is, like, like Facebook is like you know, they love copying. Like they're blatant uh, copiers. Like they're, they're uh, that's their like innovation. The like, Instagram from from Snapchat. Yeah. I mean, and I think they don't even care, right? And I think at the end of the day, why should they? They're worth I don't know how many trillion billion right now, okay. right? Like whatever okay. it is. But I think you know, there's a point where. And I think this has been happening the last, whatever, decade and a half plus, right? Where we're coming to a point where creators can say, hey, if you want to take this image and use it, here are the three ways in which you can support it. Support me and support a cause. That's yeah. it. And, and until now, it's been very complicated to do that. Like, it's like, you know, credit all this bullshit. But now it can be easy, easier. There's another startup in Toronto that I'm, uh, I'm advising called Streambed, and they're quite early, but they're 
pretty much doing like you would use Streambed as an artist, for example, or someone to post on your social media. And what they do is they create like they 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 create like a meta tag on a blockchain for mm. you. So if someone wants to reach out and buy your work or buy the rights for using it, it's a very simple transaction. So it's not complicated. So and I think there's all these tools. Oh, we don't know social media to the blockchain, basically. Well, but not just that. Connecting artists' work to buyers or right. patrons, and and not being like so. I mean, there's there's Patreon and everything, right? But sort of focusing on the per piece because, like you say, some of your work scales like crazy and gets very right. viral, and some of it doesn't, right? Yeah. But it might be that you know, for example, you have this uh, image you put up of like the COVID graph, right? Like yeah. uh, with the with the different strains and vaccines and everything, some someone might want to buy it and uh, buy rights to it and say, okay, this is an interesting image for me to use for something, right? And I'm sure they approach you and there's a bunch of emails right now and there's like all these PayPal yeah. and maybe some other bullshit, right? Like, why not just one click and you decide the rules for that? You decide, okay, if you pay this much and you s agree to this legal statement, you're gonna get this kind of a high resolution image and you're gonna do this with it. Okay, and if you break these laws, uh, these laws, or these rules, you pay me, or you, you're banned from my images forever. Whatever, you know. There's all these rules that can be put into place, and I mean they're doing a good job, and they're early, and and you know we've, we're talking about a lot of interesting things we're gonna do, and I, I honestly think that, you know, there's gonna be so much that's gonna come out, and people are gonna, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are gonna do their stuff, and I'm gonna have my small part to play in that as well, yeah. and yeah. I think. It's just, it's just, it's the time now where people are realizing again <laughs> that it's all about, you know, the guy or the gal who has an idea yeah. and writes something or draws something or makes something. That's all it is. And that hasn't changed since fucking time, exactly. millennia, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and now we're trying to make it a little bit more fair, right? And yeah. I think uh, everyone's trying to do it in their own way. And I think it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. And I mean, um, I could go on, but I got to go pick up my daughter at some point. <laughs> uh, and, and you've been too generous with your time, Khaled. I really appreciate it. I'm trying uh, to like, uh, you know, have a few hours till, till breaking my fast. So, you know. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, when is it? When you when is it? Six? Isn't it? When is that? Oh, man, it's a sunset. So it's like eight. Oh, shit. So, oh, fuck. Because in yeah. India, it's always six, like six. Yeah, everywhere else in the world is like always <laughs> like six, seven. Here's yeah, like yeah. Last, last year was 11, bro. It was insane. Oh man, I mean, yeah. But I mean, Ramadan is always is always. I mean, I have a personal story with Ramadan, and and we're, we're gonna we definitely have to have an episode two on this. Yeah. Uh, part two on this because there's a lot to talk about. But, uh, I mean, so much, so much more to talk about with you, Khaled. And I think um, Cheers, it's always fun, and I I'm happy we did it finally. Let's do it in person before you have to yeah. leave Copenhagen, and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll make it happen. Thanks so Definitely. much. Uh, I'll Thank link you, everything below. Sorry, go on. Thank you, bro. Really appreciate it. Most welcome. Hope you had a good time. I'll link everything below, guys, uh, and check it out. And follow Khaled everywhere you can. Um, yeah. Thanks so much, man. See ya. Thank you, bro. Later, man. Ciao.